Good morning. So Pastor Dave is having me pinch hit for him, and uh, he wrote uh, what I should say, so don't be concerned. <laughs> Please be kind to Steve as he is not experienced in public. <laughs> Easter was supposed to end the silence. Let me show you what I mean. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus encounters a man with a debilitating skin disease, leprosy. Leprosy kills your nerve cells so that you can't feel anything. Jesus merely speaks a word, be clean, and the leper is healed of his disease, allowed to feel once again. Immediately after the miracle, Jesus commands the now clean leper to silence. See to it that you tell no one about this. This moment is just the first of many such commands to silence. In Matthew 9, Jesus heals two blind men and then says, see that no one knows about it. Catapult forward to Matthew 16, we get the next command to silence. In fact, the silent treatment mounts and picks up steam. Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Peter, on behalf of the disciples, spouts out, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus exclaims, Peter, you get it. Those who believe what you believe and confess what you confess, those who know this will do amazing things, big things, world-changing things for the kingdom of God. This has been the whole point of chapter one through chapters one through 16 trying to get you and me and the original followers to see Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and immediately afterward, Jesus strictly charges them to tell no one he is the Christ, he commands them strictly to silence. In the very next chapter, Matthew 17, we come across the transfiguration moment when Jesus' outward appearance is changed. He takes three disciples up a mountain. <clears throat> his face shines like the sun. His clothes become as white as the light. Moses and Elijah appear. God the Father comes over the whole scene in a bright cloud. He says, this is my son. Listen to him. Then the whole scene vanishes, and Jesus and the three disciples are the only ones left. As Jesus and the three disciples are coming down the mountain, Jesus says, tell no one about this vision. Be silent. Tell nobody about what you've seen today. Fast forward to chapter 26, the silence becomes deafening, louder than we would ever want silence to be, and darker than any of us can understand. Jesus is on trial and basically silent. 26, verse 63, Jesus is standing before Caiaphas and the religious establishment. They are accusing him of blasphemy, lying, deliberately deceiving the people, leading them astray. And Jesus is silent. Chapter 27, verse 14, <clears throat> Jesus is standing before Pilate. Pilate asks Jesus, you hear what these people are testifying against you. Defend yourself. What do you have to say? 
Jesus is silent. Then comes the worst, <clears throat> loudest and most horrifying silence of all. Dying on the cross, the Father is silent. Jesus has already been tried. He's suffered. He's been nailed to the cross, and the weight of our sins is on his shoulders. Jesus is separated from the Heavenly Father. The union of the Trinity is broken as the hatred, the wrath, and the judgment of the Father move him to turn his back on his one and only Son. Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is no answer. No communion, no hope, silence. This dreadful silence leads into Silent Saturday. Jesus is dead. No more teaching, no more miracles, no more or very little chatter about the prophet named Jesus. For those that did not know him, it is merely a normal Saturday void of any real significance. For those that did know him had given everything to follow him and loved him, Saturday was a day of silence and sad mourning. Easter Sunday shatters the silence. Easter Sunday is a growing crescendo of noise that has us today still shouting, Christ is risen. Sunday morning, very early in the morning, begins with moans and groans. The silence is ended with the moans and groans of the earth a shaking, an earthquake. In a few places throughout the Bible, when God speaks, when he ends the silence in new and dramatic ways, the new word is accompanied by an earthquake. On this Sunday morning, God is giving a new, fresh word for all to hear. He is sending a message, Christ is risen. The next thing we hear is a rolling of a stone, a rather large stone. The very stone that supposedly kept Jesus in the tomb was being rolled away by a giant angel who proudly and boastfully sat on top. And when the women show up at the now very open tomb, the messenger of God, the angel delivers this very important message. Jesus is not here. Jesus Christ is risen. I know that you seek him, but he's not here. Come and see. I went through all this trouble of rolling this stone away just so you could see, so you could know that it's true. Come on, come on and see where he was. He's not here. He's risen. And notice how the angel encourages more noise. Go and tell. There is no command of silence here. The full revelation of who Jesus is accomplished. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, He's also the crucified and risen Savior. Go and tell. The sound that started at the moaning and groaning of the earth and grew into an angel's voice that now has been multiplied by the women is actually interrupted and reaches a marvelous crescendo all at the same time. The women are obedient to the messenger of God. They leave the tomb immediately, probably sprinting to get to the disciples. Their obedience and sprint is interrupted by none other than Jesus himself, the crucified and risen Savior, staring them in the face, and he speaks the loudest and most beautiful message the world has ever heard. Do not be afraid. I have conquered all. 
I have proven to have authority of the most authoritative thing, death. I won. The victory is yours. Satan is defeated. Your sum debt has been paid in full. You are free. Do not be afraid. Easter was supposed to end the silence, shatter it. Easter was supposed to end fear. So why do we find the disciples eight days after the resurrection awfully quiet, likely full of fear? John 20, verse 26 tells us that they were behind locked doors. Earlier, we found out that they locked the doors for fear of the Jews in fear of the same people that killed Jesus. If you are cowering in fear behind locked doors, you are probably not going to be very loud. Why are they like this? Why are they afraid? Why are they silent? Don't they know that Christ is risen? Don't they know that Easter shattered the silence? They apparently haven't been all that changed by Easter. How about you? How different was your week? Would you describe yourself as loud, loud for Jesus, loud about the loudest day? Or were you more of the quiet reserve type, not wanting to force anything on anybody? Or maybe you were loud, but loud about the wrong things. We apparently haven't been all that changed by Easter either. So what happens next is massively important. Jesus came and stood among them. This is Jesus, eight days after he rose from the dead, and he sees relatively unchanged by his loud resurrection. He doesn't say adios, he doesn't say stay removed. He comes and he stands right next to them and to us. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace, peace be with you. Let there be a calmness in your heart. Let there be a lack of commotion and fuss. Jesus came to people that were silent and afraid, people that were relatively unchanged, and, well, he changed them. He gave them a gift, something special that they did not have before. He gave them peace. Resurrection, your doors may be locked, your hearts might be afraid. Easter might not have changed you all that much, but Jesus does. Jesus Christ is risen. Standing among you, and he says, peace be with you.